Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food food, and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED, or your travel advisor. finally got set up technology was against us but we battled against <laughs> it for about 20 minutes and we're in sync this is the entitled banter podcast the ubp the ubp the ubp the ub stevie the welcoming UB to the pod- stevie yeah it's a special edition stevie ward herself industry veteran stevie ward to give you your full <laughs> title um because i am scott tilford that's stevie ward how are you doing i'm good how are you I'm not too bad. I feel like I've not I've not talked all day. I didn't record a morning news and I feel like my throat might give out at any minute, but it's fine <laughs> for now. So we'll crack on with the podcast. Um, the Entitled Banner Pod is where we take people's questions, talking points, whatever they've got going on in the industry. Um, and sometimes it's with Jules Gill. Sometimes it's with Josh Brown. Today it's with Stevie Ward. It just depends who's available, which brain I can get a hold of and bring in to do a bit of a chat for a while. So we'll get through as many uh, talking points and questions as we can. First one from Tarnish Yaz, who says, first off, where has Stevie been hiding? Amazing insight into the industry. Question is, what impact has social media had on the game industry and has the more direct interaction and exposure been a positive? Love to hear your thoughts. I thought we should open on this and then we'll do, <laughs> people have asked, where's Stevie from, etc. But we'll get there. What do you think about social media's impact on gaming? It's been huge, especially for games marketers. I mean, I've been on the games marketing side of the industry for so long and just being able to connect with so many more people around the world and show them that a game even exists has been absolutely huge and we do have social media to thank for that of course Mm -hmm. with things like uh, voice communications ventrilo starting with ventrilo and then moving on to like in-game comms and stuff like that it's also made multiplayer it's completely revolutionized multiplayer games because i think we all forget Mm -hmm. that skype and that is also a social media um Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that social media has been absolutely incredible for games i think obviously there's a lot of questions to be raised around online gaming culture and everything that came with that because obviously it's been fantastic for community building because you could all get together and share experiences share ugc uh puzzle solve help each other out with different levels and stuff like that but then obviously it also created a really big hotbed for toxicity and stuff like that as well so mm-hmm. i think that What's ugc that's a that's a fancy term <laughs> ugc is a community manager speak for user generated content uh, so okay. So if you think about things like fan art, if you think about things like cosplay, that's user-generated content. And then if you think about going back as far as, like I, I think I mentioned Reption 3 in like the last podcast about how it was one of the early things that actually gave uh, players a level designer and mm-hmm. being able to create your own levels, that is UGC, that's user-generated right. content. 
See, th- this question's interesting because I, you've taken it in a completely different direction than I would have done. It made me think of the idea of sort of reactive communities and fan bases and the, the feedback that people get online where the assumption is that they, they listen to what the fans want and then the sequel goes in that direction or a plot beat goes in that direction. Or we do DLC based on what the fans said. Um, like Fallout 4's uh, season pass when that game first came out and it was Bethesda mm. out there saying, we'll do whatever you guys want kind of thing. Um, what do you think of that stuff? We've talked quite a bit about like Kickstarter and the idea of like authorship and authorship and, and whatever. Like, I'm a big proponent of like the artist dictates kind of thing. But um, that side of it, I guess it depends how real that actually is. Like that, idea, I mean, it's always the production cycles and how far into a, like a development something is, whether it can react to what an audience is saying. But I guess what comes to mind for those kind of conversations? Well, I think forums was the first big version of this for games. I think if you look at the early sort of MMO stuff, World of Warcraft, Ultima, EVE Online, online forums and the technology to be able to respond to stuff and have big feedback threads on things Mm -hmm. was very, very important when it came to developers that were working on specifically live service because they needed to be able to iterate to make the next patch and Mm. to be able to do that. You're working with very small QA teams at the time. QAs weren't the big sort of beomythic 50 person you know ubisoft kind of army of people you know it would be a couple of people in the studio and you know they, they wouldn't catch all the bugs they wouldn't be able to catch all the different balancing issues that world of warcraft had and forums created such an amazing way to actually get that feedback and obviously it then also created amazing ways for players to abuse members of staff and uh the marketplace that opened up for being able to sell items in world of warcraft and the fact that it created its own economy not even just inside the game but outside of the game that's Mm -hmm. what social media did when it came to those bits and pieces but as far as the iteration cycle goes of course being able to ask the the consumer being able to ask the player hey what do you think of this patch hey what do you think of this character was huge but it's only useful if the dev studios in questions actually respond to that and iterate once they've gotten that feedback i think it's easy to pay lip service to it and that's that remains the same for today it's very hard to actually do that and i think we see that a lot with things like twitter where I, nowadays i think players are a lot more aware of like shut up brand like they don't want to hear it they don't want to hear it like if, yeah. if if i if i knew that i play league of legends right if i knew that it was the actual character designer from league of legends going we're creating a new character what do, what, what would you be interested in i'd be like oh, oh hey, hey hey becky i'd love to see this this and this but what mm. you get is on a friday you get so what are you guys playing this weekend and you know yes. that's not the devs you know that that's Have you been uh, looking at our twitter account again <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's a social media person and and you know it, it, it you know it, it comes off as inauthentic and i i think that we know we've become a lot more wise to that and what is actually asking for feedback and what is actually engagement with a dev studio and what's a big brand or is a social media group of people that don't have that much to do with the actual development cycle or aren't sending any feedback back Mm. obviously that's a generalization you get people that are very good at that you've got people that have amazing listening tools when it comes to being able to get that feedback and and software it just completely depends on what the studio is able to do and what the studio is mm-hmm. able to work on. Yeah, I, I think one of those things where, like like I said, it, like it's always going to come down to the reality of the game that's being made. Like, how reactive can something actually be? I just yeah. think it's always fascinating when like a, a project starts. Like, obviously, the ethos of something like Kickstarter was that we're going to 
say what this thing is in theory going to be a, a bit down the line and then get people's feedback as they go. Different stretch goals can affect the game. So like Mighty Number no. 9 was changed quite a lot as it rolled out. And I'm like, it's just one of those things where me personally, I just, I want this, the creator make the thing and then you tell me <laughs> and I'll I'll play it and whatever. Um, they shouldn't have to hear from me. That's my personal thought on it anyway. Unless like the actual game is some sort of unique experience that needs like player feedback for it to work kind of thing. But um, do you have a personal preference on like the, the how big of a entity the creator should be so this is a this is a what is art question (laughs) (laughs) what i love i've literally written uh, my um what do you call it what's that big long thing you do at university dissertation a dissertation yeah was on uh whether (laughs) games are art and then one of the first things i ever did for our culture was that video games are art because that was the whole thing in 2013 (laughs) the the roger ebert stuff Yeah, so so this is the thing. You you can say I painted this picture of an apple because I want you to see an apple and I want everyone to come in to say that's an apple. Or you can paint the picture and go if somebody looks at this and remembers that their dad gave them an apple when they were 3 and it was the first memory they had and actually this is about family and longing and memory, then that's something they get from that. And if somebody else comes in and looks at it and goes, "Huh, that reminds me of lips. Now I want to go kiss someone. <laughs> then that's 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 okay too. And I think even artists can say like, this is the story, but what did you get from it? What did you think of that? I think that when it comes to interactivity, and this is where sometimes I think art and video games and things that are cross-media, multimedia do differ is that, you know, they create sandboxes for a reason. They create those so that you can do what you want. They create stories so that you can choose multiple narratives and, and bits and pieces like that. And and some games are made to be broken. Some games are made to be played in ways that you wouldn't normally play a game. I don't think anyone thought when, you know, they invented Stardew Valley that a goldfish was going to play it on Twitch at some point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like no one thought Do- that, but... Th- but that's the beauty of the media is that you create art and then people look at it in different ways and, and, and make it something or make it a cult thing or play it their own way or actually really love this side character nobody else has ever cared about because that's what makes it special to them. And I I, mm-hmm. I think that if a, if a dev studio says, no, we want to make this with you, then the ability to do that and do that well, obviously that falls on the community manager, but that's exciting and fascinating and, and brilliant. If uh, a dev studio is like, no, this is how we want you to play it. No, we're not going to make an easy mode. No, we're not going to make this accessible to anybody else. No, we're not going to make this available for people who may have color blindness to be able to play comfortably. I think that they're missing out on being able to say, hey, we want as many people as possible to have this experience and play this game. I don't think mm. anyone makes a piece of art to go, actually, I don't really want anyone to see it. And if you did, you wouldn't <laughs> release it. Same with writing a song or, or, or writing some mm-hmm. poetry. Like if that poetry is just for just for your mum then you just say it to her if you want people to see it then you'd want everyone to see it they don't have to necessarily understand it but you mm. are inviting that feedback and and the, and that um sort of experience of being able to experience something on your own terms and I think that that's important. And I think that that's what we've seen as social media has gone forward is that more people from different groups have said, actually, could we have this on an easy mode? Could I have this so that I can play this um, without using my hands? Can I have an audio cue rather than a visual cue? And I, I think that that's beautiful and wonderful. And that's exactly what should happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, easy mode, hard mode, you know, I, I, you can go on about that forever, <laughs> about what, you know, what Dark Souls actually wants you to do. They want you to quit. Um, but <laughs> but they no but like you know they want it to be hard and they want you to persevere but I, I think they do want you to eventually get it like if you through the fire and flames on Guitar Hero is hard for a reason 
but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean you shouldn't be able to play it on easy because you'd also enjoy mm-hmm. it and you want to be able to experience what it's like to feel that and that is good Yes, I mean, my thing is I kind of want more games to do um, like that idea of like utilizing a community, utilizing a fan base. Like I remember the end of uh, or the, the secret ending to Metal Gear Solid Five: Phantom Pain <laughs> is like fundamentally built on the idea of um, players all disarming their own nukes because you can like protect your own mother base by building a nuke and that's like the ultimate defensive measure that you can have. But if, if the whole... Um, it's like I think it's per platform is how it triggers there was a someone just mined the PC files after a while because it was like Kojima's comment on how there'd never be full um, you know nuclear disarmament because someone will always build the ultimate weapon or whatever but I like the idea of like that kind of moving forward together like it was in Death Stranding like everyone builds the, the highways and everything together like I might leave resources somewhere on the map in my save and then when you exactly. get to that point in your save you can use them and it's like moving forward together kind of thing um, and the Metal Gear Solid 5 thing was just a that was a great way of making that comment like through the reality of how many people were playing at once kind of thing um, so I'd love like things like that but it's like that's a game that's fundamentally predicated on community involvement or a, or a player base all interacting with it at once um, but yeah there's different ways that it can go um, question from Pinky who says you uh, Stevie, you Stevie, U Stevie, which is a very good play on UBP. I probably should have just opened with that, to be honest. That could have been a lot better. <laughs> but could Stevie tell us a little bit about the journey that led her through the industry and eventually to what culture gaming? Sure. So take a seat, children. We're going to be here for a very long time. The year was 2007. Back in and the day. Back in the day. And the year was 2007. Um, Justin TV had been around for maybe oh a God. couple of months. Uh, YouTube was around that year. Facebook, uh, the year before, maybe two years before that. I might get my dates a bit mixed up, but Mm. we're talking about the sort of birth of that generation of social media. MySpace was around, but that's about Mm. it. And people were struggling with how to watch video games on the internet or if anyone even ever wanted to talk about video games on TV or even watch video game content on TV. There had been things like Games Master, a couple of different bits and pieces, but not much. And CCP Games, who are an Icelandic video company, had this amazing MMO called EVE Online, which was this single shard, and still is, this single sharded universe where you would all play in the same world, in the same instance. And if you were big in EVE, and you were famous in EVE, or you were a dickhead in EVE, everyone knew who you were. And what that created was these incredible huge fleet battles where thousands of people could take part and lose their ships and and be mad at each other and the opportunity that created was that you could have a news show about the eve universe and it would be the same for every player so ccp spoke to an english publishing company called mmm about creating a tv show for it and i got chosen to be the presenter for it because i'd been playing mmos um world of warcraft and stuff like that and a little bit of eve and it ran for 21 episodes and it was wired said it was the first world world's first ever tv show about an online game so whilst i think i think while i think minecon had been streamed and alliance some some esports matches and little bits and pieces on justin had happened there hadn't been a a sort of news i'm not sure exactly what the exact first that it was but it was a world's first when it came to uh, trying to make this kind of content news content and um there was so so many struggles with it we didn't know how to market it we didn't know if it was going to be like a pay-per-view thing one of the one of it was on a cd-rom that came out in pc gamer like we didn't know what how to how to make it a thing we didn't know whether to charge the players for it as part of the subscription we didn't know 
you know mm-hmm. what it was meant to be like what the what how to sell it to keep it going with the company or keep it going with players and like and the feedback was mixed across you know whether it was you had to pay for it or whether it would just be free and we televised the alliance tournaments which was one of the first big esports things that ever ever was televised so we had nice. the alliance ah, and mm-hmm. it still it still is well it's, it's still running the alliance tournament but we had yeah alliance tournament two was on the radio alliance tournament three was tv streamed mm-hmm. and that was for me that was like around the time that you know esports became a thing and i was there and that was really exciting and I, i'm forever grateful to ccp for hiring me and keeping me on and and bringing me into this crazy world and i, I fell in love with it I fell in love with the games community. I fell in love with Eve players. I fell in love with the idea of a sci-fi universe that was so weird and funny and quirky and had its <laughs> own community and in jokes and and videos and I just loved it. I, I I completely down tools. I moved to Reykjavik. I spent four years in the in the dark. What? I spent, <laughs> I spent so four cool. years in the yeah. I spent four <laughs> years in the dark. Um, working on TV bits for Eve and community management, and I am forever grateful to them for taking a chance on on me at the time, a girl on the internet, which wasn't to be believed, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrible. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's how I got my start. And I, that's you've done many many things. I tell you what, technology's fighting us right now because our little video feed will not stay stable, but we are audio synced, so we can still talk. Pinky also says, what was your most awkward or embarrassing experience working in or around the gaming industry? This is for both of us, but I didn't know if you had anything that came to mind. Awkward. <laughs> or embarrassing. Embarrassing. I don't really have anything no. that comes to mind necessarily, I... but I mean, I'm I'm quite hard to embarrass because I am a complete ham. So <laughs> for me, when stuff's embarrassing, it kind of makes for a better story afterwards. Awkward. I mean, you get you get awkward stuff just from working on MMO petitions for that long. You know, people send in stuff complaining about bits and pieces. Had a guy uh, blame me for his divorce because I banned him from a forum. <laughs> um that's awkward that's awkward when like they they attach you attach the divorce papers to the petition to prove that because we hadn't let him back on a forum um it drew a wedge between him and his wife and i was to blame for it and and you know like (laughs) that's awkward um but again it's just kind of (laughs) it's just that's part of the 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 weirdness and the wildness of the the community management scene back then when Mm. you know it it meant so much to everybody and that there wasn't a rule book for how you could respond to this stuff or if you had to read it or if it was something that you just be like nope not even gonna look at this and (laughs) that's all that was awkward yeah i think for for me if i'm doing awkward i haven't got anything that's embarrassing that i can think of anyway um no not that i can think of i think like awkward stuff is just like this is such a like basic thing but it's when we have to take when we try to turn over reviews in like two days or a day or whatever it is. And I remember the Final Fantasy VII Remake, I was playing that till four in the morning the night before the review embargo, <laughs> just to get something recorded that morning to hit the uh, the time for it. And it's just like nine times out of 10, we don't get something early, um, which like we're not a review-based channel <clears throat> necessarily. 
Um, but it's nice to have the reviews for the bigger games and stuff. So it's like sometimes we'll get something that's only two or three days beforehand, and then you just have to try and live on it. Um, and that is like, I mean, luckily it's just it's me and my wife, so I'm just like it's one of those times <laughs> that I just need to batten down the hatches and play this thing. Um, and luckily, like she's totally cool with it. But it's one of those things where that's not a life, a way of living. Like if that was like at all the time, um, just constant gaming, nothing else, all throughout the night, four hours sleep, wake up, coffee, keep going. Um, it just doesn't make sense. So I think that's one of the most um, awkward realities of trying to be a review-based channel, um, which, like I said, we've never we've never relied entirely on the review revenue stuff, So, which is good, because I think if we had to turn everything over, especially this year, you'd be a, a pancake at this point. You'd be very, very flat out. Um, question from Reiner, who says, I recently had to explain to my son that I had to play the OG Game Boy using the streetlights when in the car at night because it didn't have a backlight. What old gaming <laughs> memory would you use to show the kids of today how good they have it now? Floppy disks. <laughs> Do y'all remember the floppy disks? Yeah. I had an Acorn and a BBC because I was very a very posh middle class child. Very and nice. um, if if your floppy disk weren't working, it, you couldn't play that game anymore. <laughs> There's a thing about um, floppy disks that like now that's just the universal save symbol, but any of the generations below us don't even know what floppy disks are. So that's just that's yeah. just an icon to them. Yeah, and like with, I remember I had this Alice in Wonderland game which looked amazing, and there was a map, and it was kind of goth, and it was like it was kind of like an MUD, but it had graphics, it had some pictures, and I desperately, desperately, desperately wanted to play it, and it would be like now, now insert disc six, and you'd have to find discs, and you'd have to keep putting these discs, like these old, mm-hmm. yeah, up, up to like twelve or whatever it was. For the, I don't know what how much the original mist was, I, I like, but yeah, and and if one was corrupted, that was that was game, literally game over, and like <laughs> and, you know, like you need to have this now. Oh, I'll just redownload it, or I'll just get it from game, or I'll just you didn't mm-hmm. have it back then. It was just done. You know, you're a kid, you can't say, you can't do anything. So yeah. Mine would be download speeds and just like the availability <laughs> of everything. Like that idea of like you set something off on a 56K download and it's like, I mean, even then it took minutes for a picture of something. Like the idea of like a downloadable game. Um, I mean, this just makes us sound old, but it is one of those things where like Xbox Live was such a big deal. Um, and then getting a demo for every game that was on Xbox Live. I remember getting my 360 and just sitting that first night and I downloaded Worms because Worms 2 was on the Xbox Live arcade. Okay. And, um, <laughs> And I was like, that's awesome that I could just get that. I remember asking my mum, is it okay if I get this game? I've never downloaded a game before. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. 
From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Um, and so I remember doing that and then like, yeah, the, the ability to just download stuff and then obviously broadband connections, whatever, have come along so far in the last decade and a half. Um, but at the time, the idea of just being able to click a button and get a game without having to go somewhere and pick it up or whatever, um, that's a very like instant access thing. Mm. <clears throat> and obviously it, ties, it crosses over into the conversation on the um, you know game preservation and, and physical versus digital and everything else. But um, yeah, that ability to just, hey, that thing that you like, you can click a button and play it in like half an hour, if not faster. Um, that's nuts, like compared to how we kind of grew up where you had to go and get everything. Question from the 307th Gunner of 2023. How long are you willing to wait for DL? for a game before you move on some games dlc comes out over a year later and that can be a nice revisit but sometimes i've just entirely moved on from a game i can wait a pretty long time <laughs> i'm a and big, wait until it's cheap thank you i will wait until it's ready and i will also <laughs> wait until it's cheap um mm. i play the sims i've played the sims um my whole for as long as there's been the sims i've played the sims Sometimes six months goes by till there's a new expansion, sometimes longer. I can wait. I'll put it away <laughs> and then something will come out. I will work out all of the mods I want. I'll create a brand new world. I will mod that world so that it looks era appropriate to the world in which I'm playing, depending on which kind of fantasy land I'm creating. And I will download mm. that EP and then I will play it for a good like three weeks completely straight until <laughs> my eyes burn and i'll be up at three in the morning deleting trees that aren't appropriate and things like that and creating my own ugc for it a tree that's not appropriate yeah like if i'm playing a game like at the moment i've got like a game of thrones save game that i'm doing um so all the clothes are medieval the mods are correct the horses don't have the modern day saddles if there's trees that aren't <laughs> appropriate i get rid of them if there's worlds right. I want to use that have modern uh, buildings, I've got mods to delete those or I can go in and find the file and delete it. Like I'm big on modding The Sims so that it looks exactly mm. like I want it to. Um, and I will be obsessive about that for three weeks and then I, 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 I and then I won't play it for months. And that's that's how I am. But I love it. And that's cool. Yeah. Mine's like um, that made me this question made me think of uh, Doom Eternal. I don't know if you played Doom Eternal, but like, I remember being in such a headspace for that game. And it's such a, a fast reactive thing that when the dlc finally came out and it's really hard like the dlc difficulty level is so much higher that like i my brain had just disconnected from the space that i was in when i went through that campaign and having to kind of step back into it like just randomly because the dlc's out i just couldn't keep up with it again so i never finished the um i think it's called the ancient gods dlc um i never finished either of them because i just couldn't make a dent in it whatsoever but i was in in when i played through eternal initially i was proper into it and keeping up with everything and whatever but um to me it depends like if the dlc for the game itself is like mechanically tight where i need to be in a certain headspace for it um because things when dark souls games get dlc i'm like oh god i have to get back in that mindset again i have to remember how to you know deal with all of these aggressive enemies and all the different timings and everything else um even sonic frontiers me and you've not talked about sonic yet i don't know if you're a sonic fan i like a bit of sonic a little bit of sonic okay I like Sonic a lot. Me and Dan Durkin, our editor Dan Durkin, and uh, I'm going to say Joe Johnston's a Sonic fan, even though he vehemently denies it. Um, <laughs> but Sonic is a thing around the office, and it's like every now and then, we'll all, all of us will always check out whatever the newest Sonic game is. And Sonic Frontiers was was solid enough. I had a good old time with Sonic Frontiers. But by the time that DLC came out, it was like a few weeks ago now, 
and I, it's it's pending in the past. Like it was last year, and it's like trying to remember what the hell that thing felt like was just way off. Um, and so that was one of the, those dividing lines of just like you guys, they waited like way too long to put out the next series of levels where it was just, um, I don't know, I needed like a different onboarding or something. If it's something that's going to be based around a certain level of momentum or gameplay mechanics or whatever, I need like a way of you reintroducing me to that world. Um, question from Honest NPC who says, what was the last game you played where you genuinely couldn't believe you were actually playing it? Years of, after years of hype. Theirs was Halo 3 and is this feeling now lost? Love the amazing podcast. P.S. Stevie has had awesome insights. Great hearing her takes. Oh, thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. It's really nice. I've, I've been very. It's been really nice, actually, kind of um, being adopted by the what culture stuff whilst hot desking at what culture and going on YouTube videos and having nice comments. It's been honestly the nicest, biggest highlight of my year, probably um, coming back Aww. to TV and, and podcasting, and people are actually interested and want to hear what I have to say. That's really yeah. Nice. We've got um, a nice little community. We've got lots of lovely yeah. Gods. What a, what a gorgeous community. And the answer to your question is Baldur's Gate. <laughs> oh my goodness like we waited we we crossed oceans of time we, we, we <laughs> we've been, we have really really waited for for this and like uh, you know how, Divinity... how long is that since is it 20 years oh god i don't know like too long too long too long for me anyway <laughs> i didn't play it 20 years ago but like it, it would have been too long anyway and obviously having the divinity originals in games you know it does it does fill that void a bit and divinity 2 wasn't too long ago so i haven't I haven't been too bad recently because i think that really did help mm. and it was so good like it didn't feel like that long but mm. oh, i'm just so happy this game exists and it's real and it's good and it's as good as we wanted it to be and it's <laughs> it's as good as the prophecy foretold it would be and that's just so nice and i just think we should all celebrate and i i'm not sure why there aren't street parties well there are street parties because at all the comic cons like all the cosplays are starting to come in of Carlac and Asterion mm. and all of that stuff and you're like this is real and not only is it real it's mainstreamy real like it's <laughs> we could we could never have predicted that that it would be so mainstream mainstream that you know influencers would be dressing up as shadow heart and stuff like that like how cool i'm looking forward to the the sweep like the game awards and like the golden joysticks this next week like i don't know how this doesn't win every single and maybe alan wake for like best art direction or something but it's like i feel like Baldur's is just going to sweep it we mentioned it on last week's podcast with me you and adam strawn but it just feels like it is this big nigh on cultural thing this year like you talk about the big like milestones or temple releases of the year um and it has been one of them um i think for me it was like um uh, final fantasy 7 remake was a huge one because that was just rumored for so long and um, there was a version of it that was in motion apparently across the 2000s it was that weird ps3 tech demo and then when it finally came true and i remember seeing um the uh the tweet they put out back in the like a couple of years ago where it was like the bombing run mission was available as a demo because that was like the one that was on ps1 and just having that in front of you like i mean i missed demos for one thing but then being able to do it for something that was as big of a deal as like what the hell does Final Fantasy 7 Remake actually feel like or play like um, that was like a massive deal so I would take that um, and then The Last Guardian as well like that was, I know they were both confirmed in the same year 2016 um, as coming back but like I was a huge uh, like Ico or Team Ico as the devs and, and Shadow of the Colossus fan so um, and I love The Last Guardian I don't know if you played that game yeah and it's with, so with, cool. I, with, with Ico I was working I was doing some freelancing for PlayStation Access so we had an early build of that to go and demo at access events but it was buggy uh, like you couldn't do as much stuff with it and i'm i'm really glad it it, it was as beautiful as it, it was and and mm -hmm. agree i think that there's a, a certain amount of and i don't use i don't use this word a lot but wonder with that art style yeah. like i don't I, I don't think it's something loads of people go for i think sakura does it i think that there's a, a couple of different games where you really do get that sense of 
scale and mm-hmm. wonder and that kind of mood and it does it so beautifully and and i think that there should be more games like that i think indies do it very well but i think that AAA sometimes forget to have that magic just in the environment mm. and i think that's that's beautiful and it does it so well Shout out to uh, Toussaint, which just came out uh, this week. It's on Game Pass, and it, I think it's on PlayStation as well. Um, but that's like a really like wondrous-looking world where you're just playing as a, a member of a tribe, sort of trying to get back to your homeland and climb up this massive tower. But it's just it's just a dedicated climbing game. Um, and it's, I was looking forward to that for a while. I just started playing it last night in amongst the sea of other games that there are to get through. But um, Toussaint is really, really cool. has a really lovely art style and like has that kind of wondrous tone as well. Um, question from Jack Jingle, who says, what's your worst gaming take? Um, <laughs> a bit like a guilty pleasure, you know it's wrong, but you lean into it all the more. And um, this is that they should play games, or that you should play games with the brightness setting above the recommended. Now, I used to do this. I used to be someone who would crank the brightness thing because I didn't want to, like, I wanted to see all the detail. I didn't want to make, I didn't want to get through a game and miss something that was in a corner somewhere. So I used to always go above, but then it would do that stupid thing where, like, like you know like a like say a moon is in a dark sky it'll fracture and like all the light will come out like concentric circles because it, it's yeah. not rendering it properly um so i was that guy when i was younger um this year i discovered turning the big light off in my living room and, li- and actually like watching stuff properly with proper lighting <laughs> that was a whole thing before you were here um me discovering that i shouldn't leave the big light on but um i'm a changed man but i don't know what your overall hot take is on having the lights on i uh, well, <laughs> I, you I mean if it's What's your worst hor- gaming tip? If it's a horror... I'm going to talk about your, your thing for a minute. If it's uh-huh. a horror game and they say, this is how it needs to be so that you get scared when something comes out, again, I think that's your choice to say, <laughs> I want to see it before it comes out. And I think uh-huh. that's okay. And I think that's okay in VR as well. And I think we should all be able... We should all not judge each other when it comes to what, what scares us and what doesn't. <laughs> she said for no reason whatsoever. So, uh, you know, you know, and that's that's one for Scott, considering you're like our games need to be played the way the OTA wants them to be played. I know. You've got the light up. You've got the lighting up. I wasn't even think- I wasn't even thinking of it until it was when Dead Space came out. And, uh, and shout out to Ash <laughs> Millman over on PlayStation Access. She shared a video of like her playing with the mood lighting thing, that she, the way she had her set up for Dead Space. Right. And then I was messaging her and I was just like, I haven't even thought of this. I haven't thought about changing my... Even though I've played a million horror games, never in a million years did I think about changing what was happening outside of the screen. I just, I just put the game in <laughs> and I play it. And that was it. And it was like one of those really obvious, you might say light bulb moments of just like, oh, I should I should have mood lighting. I should have colored lighting. I should change the way that my living room looks to maximize certain games. And obviously certain things, like you said, play into it better, like Dead Space, Resident Evil, horror games or whatever. But that was my overall thing um, earlier this year. But in terms of like a worst gaming take, um, I mean, my defaults are always Ellie Noir was overrated. I hated that. GTA V was the death of Rockstar, etc. I don't know if you have anything that's a, a horrible gaming take you want to throw in the, on the pile. It's pronounced WASD. What's WASD? On your keyboard. I've got to spell PC first before we start doing all this. WASD. How do you pronounce the, you know, when you go up, back, forward, you know, the A-W-S-S-D. How do, how do you say that out loud? And I want everyone, uh, who's, I want everyone who's listening to, to do that. Like, how would you say <laughs> those buttons? See, if- I've been reliably informed it's WASD, but I, don't, I think that's what you're going to say it's not. It probably is, but I say Wasdy. <laughs> I can't stop Where's now. Where's That's what. That's how. When I'm, I'm very dyslexic. That's that is my neurodivergent brain <laughs> going Wasdy. Like that's how I would say that. So mm-hmm. you know, you can you can come at me for, for it. <laughs> I, I'm not changing. I'm not. I'm not going to say um, GIF, not GIF. It's GIF. No, it's, it's definitely Wasdy. GIF. Even if the the dude himself said it was GIF, I was like, it's right. not, mate. You've just you've named your own product wrong. 
Yeah, like I, I'll, 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 I'll fight on that one. I'll fight on. I'll fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably death of the author stuff. Where it's yeah, just like, it no, is. no, no, it's it's well, definitely gif. See, you yeah. say you're one thing, Scott, but you're actually something completely <laughs> different. Like you get into like, this if, and you're like, no. If Mister Jif was around, I wouldn't disrespect him to his face. But as soon as he's out the room, it's gif. I mean, it, yeah. just, it just definitely is. You'd be making um, so many gifs of him being wrong. <laughs> you'd be like, hey, check out this gif, and I'd be like, I can't I see anything. Please turn the lights up. Well, it's such a UK thing as well because we have Jif the washing up liquid, which I think is another like cerebral clash that yeah. like maybe other countries just don't have. But there's there's too much real estate already taken up by Jif and um, for them to be coming in. But I think if your worst gaming take is the is the wazd um, pronunciation thing, then um, that's completely fine. I was I'm waiting in, going like, hey, this thing sucks. Well, you're a console but... player, so it doesn't mean as much to you as it does for the to PC gamers. <laughs> you know, it means a lot to us that that that's that's well, not to all, oh. I'm not speaking on behalf of all of us, but it does mean a lot to uh, quite a few people i've right, definitely right. nearly fo- I've, I've lost friends over this scott i, I think you're taking it seriously <laughs> i remember when uh, rich hudson who um is now over at frontier used to work here and i i wounded him by saying i preferred aiming on analog sticks to mouse cursor i don't know if that's going to hurt you or not but i definitely prefer playing first person shooters on a console control pad i prefer shooters on console yes yeah it's sorry, the right way to be but I, I could never play a MOBA on a console, so I, I think it's mm. different. But I also play League of Legends one-handed, so I, I'm, I'm okay. aware that I'm not the norm when mm-hmm, it comes mm-hmm. to that stuff. So. Well, when we started talking, we talked about Baldur's Gate and the way that I didn't even realize that game had different UI and hood and everything on consoles compared to yeah. how it is on PC. And it's like on consoles, it's all radial wheels and poking the analog stick at stuff. And to me, I was like, oh, they found a way around all these different things that you can do. And then you were like, dear God, you can use a mouse to do all of this stuff. There's lots yeah. of hotkeys and ways that it could be working. Like, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm using the radial wheels. I'm a radial <laughs> wheelsman. <laughs> you're right your wheels man <laughs> um jack jingle also says he just completed unpacking with his wife which was such a pretty experience and enjoyed the us- unusual narrative style any games that we've come to later where it, the general approach surprised us i think there's there's games that i've played with partners that are just completely special because they are something different to what you'd normally play there's an amazing mm. game from inkle studios called 80 days which mm-hmm. is uh, a, a sort of a, a narrative version of Around the World in 80 Days where you play a sort of a Phileas Fogg type and you have to work out your travel and work out which way you're going to go to get around the world and work out how you're going to spend your budget. Do you spend it on ships? Do you spend it on food? Do you spend it on getting a, a, a submersible? Like, how, how do you get around there? And actually mm-hmm. playing that with my boyfriend at the time was really fun because like couples fight over i mean they fight over unpacking they fight over i mean overcooked has destroyed how many marriages um yep. so, so many um, oh my god that <laughs> and yeah I, like 80 days i'd actually really recommend because it's it's beautifully written the art style is, is is spectacular and it's actually really good and and you can go at your own speed and you can do the voices and read stuff out loud and like, i like doing voices and and mm-hmm. and and have a have a good fight with whoever you're sat next to playing with you about how you're gonna <laughs> travel somewhere which you know when it's not actually travel and you're not stuck in an airport because someone's ticket didn't work is mm. actually can can actually be fun um <laughs> so yeah i recommend 80 days if you've got something else you want to play with your wife it's really good yeah i would shout out um nearly all of um justin farris's game justin farris i forget his name now but the uh, the dude that made a way out and uh, it takes two and all and brothers a tale of two sons like a way out going through that with a partner is really really cool especially when yeah. the story goes over time um joseph well Farrell. it's also and, not it's also not very good doing that with a partner as well as, as i seem to recall spoilers 
Yes, well, that's the thing. It depends how the story goes. But then there's loads of different ways that like the level designs play out where you're helping each other, and then as the story goes, different things might put you in uh, adversarial positions. But still, I really like the way that that um, kind of comes together. I did want to shout out, if you're talking about games that surprised you in terms of like visuals and presentation and stuff, um, 2016's The Witness. I like I really like, I really like Braid and I like Jonathan Blow, but The Witness was like phenomenal. And I feel like that game, it does get its due because whenever it's brought up, every now, I feel like every couple of years, some, it'll go viral again because people are discovering it again. Um, but that game is such a phenomenal, unique puzzle game, and it's got such a great, like, underlying, um, like, thematic about peacefulness and understanding the world. And there's a lot of like Buddhist teachings that are buried in there. Um, but I just overall, that game is phenomenal. Um, and this year as well, I don't know if you've played Viewfinder, but like that yeah. that blew me away mechanically. And um, my sister-in-law actually like worked on that game, so I remember when she showed me it months ago, and I was like, because if, if people don't know, that game is all about using a camera to take photos inside a, a 3D environment, and then you place the photos somewhere else and the photo becomes 3d again once you move you realize that it's actually filled everything out again and um, so you can move through worlds in a really really unique way and i've not seen anyone else do anything like that and um, maybe there's more stuff like that on steam or pc or whatever but in the console space just the way viewfinder moves um and the way it makes you think is phenomenal it's quite short um, and each, i think there's only five worlds and each world has a different rule to it but um the level of charm and the level of ingenuity that's happening in that game is mind-blowing if you want something this year to just sort of play and be like I don't know how the hell they made this. Um, <laughs> that feeling uh, is, at least to me, was like throughout uh, Viewfinder. Um, final question from Tristan Vetter, who says, this year has been crazy with the amount of games that could be Game of the Year contenders, but which game do you think will lose out the most but could have won in any other year? Ooh. <laughs> i tell you what I think this is. I think Alan Wake is going to get pipped to the post by Baldur's. Uh, I just, I mean, yeah, it depends what kind of who we're talking and but I'm the biggest, like... and you know, I'm the biggest remedy fangirl that, that has ever been in this world. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree, it's it's too late in the year. Um, mm. There's not enough cosplay in it um, for the masses to adopt <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> you know, we're living in a different time. Um, probably, yeah. It's. It, I just like the the amount of game that's in Boulders. I just I see. I I, I don't. I think it's a toss up on the music side between like Boulders and maybe um, Final Fantasy 16. Uh, in terms of, like the big big score of the year kind of thing, sixteen might have taken it in another year as well. I know a lot of people don't like how action focused that was, but personally speaking, that is my game of the year at least for now. I've not finished Alan Wake Two yet, but every beat of Alan Wake Two is just so crystalline perfect, like it's incredible. And um, but at the same time, I'll be amazed if it beats Baldur's because it just Baldur's feels like a Red Dead Redemption Two. It just feels like it's way up there as this like monolithic release. Yeah, I don't think I don't think things will come close. It would take a, a either something absolutely huge or something something that has the same power that Among Us or Fall Guys had when they came out, where it was just right time, right place. Everybody mm. needed something to play like this that could just mm-hmm. blow it out of the water. And I, I don't think we've had that this year, where you know there's been a phenomenon for for the younger the younger generation. We think about us a lot and what we like to play, but but we don't think about when it comes to um you know when it comes to the main sort of award sweeps. A lot of children's games are in those categories and actually do tend to clean up too. And mm-hmm. yeah, like there hasn't been something this year that has captured the tweens as, <laughs> at all. I think Baldur's Gate is quite mature. I think we should celebrate if, if that's what's actually mm-hmm. getting everybody playing and what's getting younger influencers playing, what's getting, you know, teens playing. It would be, I'd love it to be Baldur's if it was. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. I think that, yeah, that I mean, points I think to like... good things for games and the future of gaming. 
Yeah, we'll see how things shake out. Like I said, Golden Joysticks are next week. The Game Awards are in December. I actually can't believe this year is coming to a close. I can't believe we're a month and a half, or two months, I guess, um, from the end of the year itself. It just feels like 2023 barely, like it's just been a blur of stuff, like the mm-hmm. amount of different releases. It feels like Dead Space and Resident Evil 4 and Hi-Fi Rush um, were just a couple of months ago, and that was at the start of the year. Um, for now, though, this has been the Entitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UStv. I've been Scott Hilford. <laughs> That's been Stevie Ward. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you all very, very much for listening, and we'll catch you very soon. Goodbye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.